bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Well, as I told all you last week, I'm now on listed on apple podcasts now i'm asking all of you to invite one guest just one to listen and hopefully learn and like what they hear well today's guest is a registered dental hygienist but with the twist and a very interesting story and you will hear about it and learn more about her here next here on the jb's low-tech podcast the month of april is distracted driving Awareness Month. And here to give us more information on the terrible things that can happen while driving distracted is my sponsor, Mike Bryant of Bryant Shaw and Bryant Law Firm. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. Play this record as frequently as possible. Then, as it becomes easier for you, play the record once a day or as needed. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB Low Tech Podcast. Today's guest is a dental hygienist, an author, and somebody to help us to sleep better. I'd like to introduce, introduce today's guest, Carice Laguerre. How are you doing, Carice? I am well. I am well. Thank you for having me. Carice, I'd like my guests to kind of give some background on themselves. Can you tell me where you grew up? So I am a Jersey girl. I was born and raised in New Jersey. It is my favorite place in the whole wide world. I don't currently reside there, but I constantly dream about it. (laughs) Central New Jersey. And I know that it's debatable because some people will say there is no such thing as Central New Jersey, but there definitely is. And I was smack dab in the middle of it. Who am I to argue if there's a central New Jersey? I've only been to New Jersey twice. That was for a soccer game and a softball game. As I was a, as a, I was an equipment manager at the University of Minnesota for the softball and soccer teams. Fantastic. Yeah, the New Brunswick campus is right in central New Jersey. That's what I would consider central New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> well, 
I, who am I to argue with you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so reading your bio and what stated that you had a major event happen that changed your life. Can you uh, talk about what that major event was and how it changed your life? Yes, absolutely. So as a parent, I think what happens with a lot of us, so I have four children, one boy, three girls, the boy's the oldest. But I think what happens with most of us is that when people ask, how are you doing? We always give our highlight reel or we're like, everything's good. You know, you might give those special highlights like, oh, you know, this one's in soccer. That one is, you know, crushing it in softball. We've got ballet and blah, blah, blah. And it's always all the good stuff. But there's so much underlying there that a lot of us tend to either disregard or intentionally, you know, omit from conversation. And I feel like there's a lot of hidden shame in it. And that's what it was for me, because in my household, we had a lot of stuff going on. So my son had uh, behavioral control issues, ADHD, like emotional outbursts. We had a lot of issues with him. My daughter, my oldest daughter had a lot of issues with sleep. So every sleep thing you can come up with, she went through it. So for 10 years, we had bedwetting, night terrors, sleepwalking, like you, you name it, we've been through the ringer with her and it was a long time. And then my younger two had a lot of issues with upper respiratory infection. So whether it was the congestion in the nose, the constant sore throats, strep throats, ear infections, and those types of things, there was always something going on in my home. And, you know, everything wasn't okay, but my answer would always be, oh, yeah, everything's okay or good, if someone would ask. Well, as a registered dental hygienist, um, you know, I started out in a group practice. And in the group practice, the pediatric dentist left and I wound up leaving maybe, you know, a few months to a year after her and I went to go work for her. And she was very passionate about things well beyond dentistry and very much into a focus on airway and sleep. And in working for her and bringing my kids to see her, it wound up changing everything. It really like transformed the whole trajectory of my life, transformed my household, because she brought to life that all of these issues, though they were very different, right? Upper respiratory issues, ADHD, the sleep issues, though they were very different issues, all of them were stemming from the very same thing, how they were using all the muscles in their mouth and their face. And that changed everything. I mean, from that moment on, we were on a whole nother path towards wellness that I honestly couldn't have anticipated, but I am incredibly grateful for. Just to uh, take a step back, uh, you mentioned in your uh, in your notes that you you were a young mom. Can you uh, tell my audience how young? Yes. So I had my first. I had my son. I had him, and when I was eighteen, I was like two weeks shy of nineteen, but still eighteen. So still very young teenage mom. Very naive. Right. You know. Very hopeful. And um, how did that affect your life at the time? Oh my gosh. Um, I think I had a lot of imagery of motherhood that was inaccurate. 
And I feel like that's honestly everybody at every age and stage, but definitely at 18, incredibly inaccurate. Like I imagined this baby that would, you know, eat and sleep and behave and, you know, (laughs) really unrealistic things. I don't know what I thought was coming, but I got a reality check very, very shortly after birth. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey Yes. In these 18 years since then, but for sure, I, I did not anticipate what was coming in any way, shape, or form. If a parent tells you that they have, have it all together, they're lying. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, have a, I have a son that's 32, and uh, it was um, the biggest life change in my life, so... I totally get what you're saying. Was married to his mother at the time, got divorced, um, stayed in his life at the age of th- at his age of 13. I actually took uh, responsibility for him. He lived with me, so and life never turns out the way you plan it. As you as you having your child and you think, oh well, it's just it's going to be all these, you know, life's going to be full of roses. And, no issues and no problems, and he's gonna, he's gonna be great. So I totally understand that. Um, also, in your notes, you you and maybe you spoke about it already, but uh, I want to make sure I captured it. You had a part-time job that uh, made you uh, that turned your life around, or was that the part-time job when you were working with the uh, with the, the, the pediatric dentist? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would that would be a great, um, and you wrote a book about it, of course. But that would, that is a great way of finding out accidentally how to help your children and to help others. This was a part time job. Um, yeah. When I um, when I worked uh, with the University of Minnesota soccer as an equipment person, we had an athletic medicine person who was dealing with a uh, soccer player that had an asthma issue. And um, they were treating it as, you know, normal. And then they tried something different with her airway and whatnot, and it changed the trajectory of her career. You know, she wasn't a player that had to come out every, you know, 15 minutes to catch her breath to a player that played the whole game and whatnot. So um, I kind of seen firsthand these, um, uh, you know, dealing with the airway. Now I'm also, I'm a sufferer of uh, a mild um, sleep apnea and the child of uh, my dad was a, a, Severe sleep. He had severe sleep apnea to the point where, you know, he would stop breathing certain periods of night. And this was back in the, uh, the 1990s, and their way of curing that was um, a tracheotomy. So that whole, <laughs> that whole spectrum has really grown, whereas now I sleep with the... Uh, a dental device that just kind of opened my airway a little bit. And um, I've been using it for two months now, and I can really tell the difference. But we're here to talk about about your um, your path. And, uh, yes. 
And um, so also you, you speak about um, uh, success and um, I'm trying to read my notes here and how sleeping better can eliminate burnout and help with the execution of goals. Maybe you want to speak about those things too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sleep is one of the most essential things and functions that we do. And while science doesn't understand it entirely, we definitely know the implications of poor sleep. So when we aren't getting really good, true restorative sleep, we're going to find that our cognitive function is impaired, that our reactivity is impaired, that our ability to really engage adequately in social situations is going to be impaired. And so you can't show up for anything the following day if your night before was not optimal. So using the ability to get and achieve quality sleep night after night after night is only going to increase your productivity and your efficiency in the days to come. So um, your therapy, and I hope I pronounced this correctly, is myofunctional? Yes, myofunctional. That was perfect. (laughs) I'm three for three today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, uh, myofunctional therapy. Um, Can you talk about what it actually is and what the benefits and we can kind of continue on what the benefits are from this therapy. Absolutely. I would love to. So myofunctional therapy is kind of like working with a personal trainer, but for all the muscles below the eyes, yet above the shoulders. So I work with the oral facial and some of the oral pharyngeal muscles. And we like a personal trainer would work your muscles for the rest of your body in the gym I'm working out all those muscles in my programs for the oral facial and oral pharyngeal area um, where we're really going to gain a lot of strength and awareness in those muscles and then coordinate them because many people don't know that they don't use their tongue properly, that their cheeks might have too much suction. All of this stuff impacts the way the hard tissues or the hard features of the body are, the bone, the teeth, and their position and it's really going to create a wonderful harmony in the oral facial structure. And that is the beginning of health. And so when we're looking at that oral facial, like we really look at our mouth is let's take the mouth. Just for example, the mouth is at the forefront of our upper respiratory system Mm -hmm. and nobody pays any sort of attention to it. You take the roof of your mouth, and that's the floor of your nose, Mm -hmm. okay? So that's our nasal pharyngeal area. And then you just open your mouth, and you can see right into your oral pharyngeal upper respiratory space, right? And then our mandible is really like the lateral and anterior, or so the side or front borders of that pharyngeal space. Like, it's really all-encompassing of that upper respiratory system, and nobody thinks of it that way. So it's incredibly important how we use all those soft tissues there because that impacts how we will breathe, and breathing matters more than anything else. Yeah, uh, before I got this uh, 
received this dental device, I would fall, you know, wasn't sleeping well. I'd get through the day. And I was actually able to, like, um, not only get through my work day, but do the other things that I had planned and kind of have a social life. And, you know, I'm turning 60 this May. And, um, but, you know, still be somewhat active. I run, I play baseball still at my age and all these things. But I would sit down and watch TV and, you know, half hour later I would, (laughs) I would catch myself sleeping because I would be snoring. And I I snored loud enough to wake myself up because I'm a light sleeper. And it would just be a a quick snort. And I would like, whoa. (laughs) And uh, so when I was fitted for this device, it actually was one of the tests was, was I able to actually snore with it in my mouth or snort. And it took that away. Um, I'm quite sure that has something to do with the muscles that you were describing. Um, but it sounds like in your plan, this is actually sounds like a, for lack of a better term, a workout uh, or yeah. something like that. Yes. All muscles in the body, you know, they all do the same thing. They can relax and they can contract. That's the extent of what muscles can do. And so, yes, it's kind of like a workout for that area because essentially when the muscles are too relaxed or they're very lax, then you get a collapse. So that's going to collapse in the airway as you lie down to go to sleep everything relaxes that's the first stage of sleep Mm -hmm. things start to relax blood pressure decreases like our heart rate starts to slow we are getting our bodies ready for bed and so when those muscles are already just lax during the daytime and then it collapses at night that's when you get things like snoring or apneas because there's no space. So when you're thinking of the snoring, right? What is what is snoring? Snoring is the sound of air meeting resistance as it's passing through your upper respiratory system. Like that's all you're hearing is air trying to force its way through soft tissues. And sometimes right. it's rubbing, you know, it will come down and create a sound because it's rubbing against tissues. So we don't want that. We don't want there to be any barriers to the air coming into our bodies. I mean, I think we would all be quite disturbed if there were barriers to food coming into our mouths, right? And so we should be disturbed if there's snoring that's that obstructive that it's going to create such a loud and vibrant sound. That's a lot of force that the body's trying to exert just to breathe at night. So Yes. While I love oral appliances and mandibular advancement devices, what it does is it's kind of like a physical hold of that lower jaw and keeping everything forward. And what I do is more of giving my clients the independence or I'm empowering them to strengthen those muscles to get that all facilitated in a way where it can open up that space. So it's working towards the same goals, Mm -hmm. but in a different way. Right. Which to me sound like it would be easier 
easier on the pocketbook one and <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it was quite pricey. And two, um, it's just easier to deal with because you don't have this thing in your mouth as you're trying to sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the myofunctional therapy, um, how would you go about performing that? So similar to, I, I really love the analogy of personal training because it's very similar where I'm looking at where are the muscles I need to work on, right? Mm -hmm. So one of my first steps with my program is we do a full comprehensive evaluation. We're going to take a look at all the oral facial function, what's going on, what muscles are overactive, what's underactive, what is you know, not working the way that it should? Where is there dysfunction or disharmony in these muscle groups? And then from there, I formulate a custom plan. So what we do then is we take the active steps. What muscles do I have to work on in order to get us to better function? So anything that's overactive, I want to try to relax that muscle. And so we start working on activities that relax that. Anything that's underactive, I'm going to give exercises so that we're working those muscles so that we can build out that symmetry and get that functional system going in a way that is going to facilitate like good long-term results because that's my goal. I don't want you to be strong for now because, you know, you think of personal training, you know, you're working with somebody and you're strong while you work with them. I'm working to also gain independence. So, new neuromuscular patterning, new neuromuscular awareness, and the ability to sustain in the long term these wonderful habits we'd be establishing. Now, I'm, I'm quite sure that you see patients in, in person, but with this new technology that we all learned about during, this, <laughs> during the tough time of uh, COVID shutdown, were you, were you able to treat uh, patients uh, virtually? Yes. I did find a lot of great success where the results were very similar to what I do when I'm working in person one-on-one -on -one with somebody. So virtually, as long as I've, you know, re really refined how I describe things, like my visual cues and my verbal cues, if I'm getting those right and we're working well in a distance environment, like through Zoom or any other virtual platform, the results are absolutely 100% similar. Yeah, I was, I was just, that just popped in my head as we were talking because um, during that period, I had many virtual doctor appointments um, myself. And I was like, I wonder if that would work for, for your therapy. Um, so with sleeping disorders, a lot of people probably have them and don't know. What are some of the symptoms that maybe could, they maybe could trigger them to thinking maybe they need to seek help? Yeah, sometimes there's silent sleep things where you don't even realize that you have an issue. So 
Um, snoring is a big one and that's always going to be like, you know, an obvious sign that something's going on, but there are people who grind their teeth or who clench them at night. And a lot of people attribute that to just stress, but there is also another component to it or another hypothesis around it. The same way how when you wear an oral appliance at night, it moves your mandible forward. Well, if you grind your teeth, that's essentially your body just moving your mandible forward. But that's your body doing it continuously to try to maintain that open airway as you take each inspiration um, of air. It's moving that jaw forward. And so that is definitely a sign if you've ever been told that you like are wearing your teeth down by your dentist and they're like, do you grind? And you're like, I don't know. It might be something that's happening at nighttime. And it is a concern for sleep because that's going to impact your quality of sleep. Um, I would definitely say that another one is if you ever wake up with a dry mouth, if you're sleeping at night with your mouth open, you are getting a poorer quality of oxygen. Now our nose is for breathing and our mouth is for eating. And when we use them inappropriately, it's gonna impact the quality of the oxygen that we get, right? And oxygen is the powerhouse of the body. Like oxygen is what keeps everything running and running well, but most importantly, it's what's going through our blood and how our brain is really getting um, optimal, you know, functional performance. So breathing through your mouth is going to be detrimental. And that I would say is a, another quiet indicator of poor sleep. But just sometimes there are people who can't quite put a finger on things, but they wake up in the morning and they don't feel very well rested or they have a tough time getting out of bed or they just feel like, you know, they just can't function until they've got some sort of stimulant like caffeine in the morning, whether it be tea or coffee, espresso, whatever, they can't function until they've got that. That is a big silent indicator that you should probably get your sleep checked out. It's time to make some adjustments. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've always, I hate coffee. <laughs> and I'm not so do tea, I. <laughs> and I'm not a tea drinker. So the first thing I drink every morning is just plain water. And, um, yeah, I, and plus I have to take it with a few meds that I have. But, um, yeah, just plain water is enough, and a hot shower is more than enough for, to get me going every day. So I have a chicken and egg question. All with, right. Uh, anxiety, is it, does poor sleep cause anxiety, or does anxiety cause poor sleep? Ooh, I like that question. Um, I don't think anybody has pinpointed it as to which direction it goes, but they definitely do always appear together. There is some level with poor sleep of anxiety and some level of anxiety causing poor sleep. Um, I, there is a prominent sleep physician, Dr. Darius Logmani, who has said, you know, I don't know why people don't consider it. But when you lie down and you go to sleep, that's when your body is ready to process everything that's happened throughout the day. So if you have a stressful day, if you have a stressful job or a life or condition, that's going to rile up that anxiety in the middle of the night as the 
brain is like, wait, 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 what happened here? And so that is a very good question as to what comes first, but we definitely know that there is a lot of interplay between the two and that poor sleep can be a result of anxiety, but anxiety definitely is a big factor when we're not sleeping well, but most importantly, it's a big factor when we're not breathing well, that anxiety is more likely to rear its ugly head. Yeah, I notice on the days that I run, I don't have that, as you were saying, that period right before I go to sleep where I'm processing the day because I've basically done that while I'm running. But on the days that I don't run, I, my mind is clicking and clicking and clicking. Did I take care of this? Did I do that? Did I, did I really need to do that? Did, how did that really go? This, that, and the other. You know, and, and it, you know, it keeps you up for about a half an hour, you know, 15, 20 minutes. You know, just like you said, processing all of that stuff that finally, so your brain can finally say, okay, I'm done for the, for the night and kind of <laughs> shut down. Uh with saying that, what are some bad habits we have before we go to sleep or try to? Ooh, biggest bad habit and easiest fix is I, there, there's just not enough people just being mindful of their breathing. And so they're not cleaning their nose. Nasal hygiene should be a part of everybody's daily routine. And that is an undervalued aspect that people aren't talking about enough. Um, but not having a nasal hygiene routine, not making sure that you've cleaned out your nose and that your sinuses are nice and open and clear and that your upper respiratory tract is primed for a good night of sleep is going to be a bad idea. Then the next thing is, well, one, our bodies need to digest while we are awake because all of those systems, they slow down when we're about to go to sleep and having a full stomach or eating too close to bed where it's full or close to full because it hasn't been able to digest things yet, um, especially when you have things that are tougher to digest, such as red meat or whatever. If you're having that any closer than two hours, two to three hours before bed, that's gonna impact significantly your sleep. So make sure that you're eating well before bed. Give yourself at least a couple of hours, if not a few more, to make sure that that all has digested. That way you can sleep and your body can focus on the systems that need to be operating and that digestive system can really rest and restore as it's supposed to. Um, I would definitely say everybody talks a lot about blue light, but we have to remember that all light is blue light. <laughs> so when you have lights on in your home like even though you might not be watching tv or you might not be looking at your phone if you have lights on in your home um, before you're going to sleep that's going to impact your melatonin production it's going to impact your ability to get good quality sleep because it's throwing off the circadian rhythm like all light is blue light well, and I'm, i think that's really undervalued not to cut you off i'm sorry but you just brought up an interesting point um, so is there any difference between watching television and reading before you go to bed if both are using some, some sort of light? 
Exactly. They're both using light, and I don't think that there's very much of a difference. Is there a slight difference? Probably, because the blue light that's emitted from your phone, your eyes are looking directly into it, as opposed to looking directly into a book and having blue light around you in the room. Um, but it's mere presence there. Just the sun being outside, but not necessarily in my home, is still going to impact my ability and awareness to recognize that today, that it's daytime, right? As opposed to night. So whether it's in your face or not in your face, it's the general awareness. It throws you off. But I have an infrared light bulb that I would use um, at night. And I think that that, if you can read by that, that's probably the best way. If it's going to relax you before bed, reading by that blue light, by that red light, I'm sorry, is like a wonderful thing. And it kind of lulls you to sleep too. I love it. Well, a couple of things for me. One, uh, I have dyslexia, which is, you know, a chore in itself in reading. But I can never get past a page anyway if I try to read. So I don't even I don't even try to read because it, I would be out before I turn the first page. So oh. <laughs> um, you're talking about you, you spoke about eating and uh, the present job I have. And luckily, I've been able to switch my hours. Um, it used to be I used to get off at like anywhere between 5.30 and uh, 7 o'clock at night. And uh, by the time, you know, I get home, by the time I eat and uh, sit down and try to relax before I go to bed, you know, it's still like anywhere from 7 to 8 o'clock at night before I eat. And then, you you know, I would literally force myself to stay up to like 10 because I just ate. And then, uh, but at that, at that time, I didn't have to be at work until 9 o'clock the next morning. But still, it was probably having some effect on me. So, and also I tried to eliminate as much red meat as possible. I'm down to two days a week. Um with one of those being a weekend. So um, it's clearly had a positive effect on my sleep also. Oh, good. That is fantastic. But you also talked about uh, cleaning out your sinuses. I've, I, that's part of my morning routine. Should I switch that and have it be part of my evening routine? If you're only going to do it once a day, I yeah. would prefer that it's in the evening, yes. But doing it twice a day, especially in the morning after you've been laying still or, you know, hopefully not tossing and turning, but hopefully laying relatively still at night, everything starts to settle. And so it's good to clean it out in the morning, too. But if I had to only pick one time of day, I would pick the evening. Okay. Um, so you, you talked about good sleep and all these things. Um how does that help us execute, and I probably could guess, but how can it ex help us execute our, well, before we get to that, that before I get to that question, I want to take a uh, step back. Over the, you know, these past two years of COVID and race relations and a crazy presidential election and all the stress, did you see that? having a greater effect on people's sleep. And I noticed that 
my dreams have been a lot more vivid since that period. Have you noticed any? Yeah. Have your patients talked about any differences? So what I have found is that when we were in lockdown, that there were a lot of people who were very concerned. One, there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of anxiety, and that was negatively impacting sleep. I mean, people were having a tougher time being able to sleep and to sleep well when there was so much uncertainty, right? But then as things have kind of evolved, those that were working with me and those that I have been able to implement nasal hygiene routines and so forth, they've found that they've actually been sleeping a lot better, significantly better since all of the lockdown disrupted sleep. And so it's probably a fact, a number of factors, right? So one, you know, as things started to get better and people started to be able to leave their homes again, it created a sense of calm that I think generally allowed everybody to kind of let down um, a little bit of that stress to put down that bag of stress. But I think it's very important to also ensure that chicken and the egg, right? The anxiety, that stress part is one, but being able to sleep better because you're breathing better, you're able to respirate and able to get the brain all the oxygen it needs for the vital functions of restoration that only happen at night, that is going to help significantly with any sort of, you know, residual stress that may have been there. It kind of helps alleviate that by sleeping well. Yeah, there was a lot of, especially uh, like January of 2020, there was a lot of tossing and turning and crazy dreams going on. It was a stressful time in this country, so... um, I, I, you know, I noticed that I wasn't sleeping well on top of the apnea and whatnot. So uh, now, um, sleeping better, and uh, how does that help uh, one execute one's goals and become more successful or, you know, or eliminate burnout and all these different things that, that poor sleep may cause? So it's definitely going to help because, well, one, the brain needs sleep. Sleep has to happen, and it has to happen optimally. You have to hit REM. You have to stay in REM for at least 30% of your night because we have a lot of systems of drainage in our body. We, you know, are able to filter our blood. We are able to, you know, have our lymphatic system, which wonderfully will help to drain a bunch of things as well. Um, But our brain all of the waste in our brain does not actively flush itself out unless we are sleeping. And we've got to hit those goal numbers of hitting REM and being in that REM for at least 30% of the night. Otherwise, our brain doesn't get to flush itself out. So it's kind of like if you have a laundry machine and you put all the clothes in and you wash them, And while they're all wet, some of them may be stuck to the bin and some of them may be flattened down. So it looks like there's more room, right? Like you Mm -hmm. can put more clothes in there, right? Right. So that's, imagine a poor sleep 
where the brain didn't get to empty all those clothes out. So now you're going to go to sleep the next night and that next night you're putting more clothes in there. Okay. And you're going to watch that cycle again. And you try to keep doing that at some point, it becomes very detrimental where one, like, are you really getting any of the clothes clean? Are you really getting optimal function of your brain when it hasn't been able to, you know, filter itself out, get rid of the waste of the brain area, be able to deposit memories, be able to actually uh, regulate itself as far as that sympathetic nervous system where we're not able to get to good function, cognitive function, because we're going to be depleting a lot of what we are supposed to be achieving during sleep, which is enhanced cognitive function. We're supposed to be able to get improved gray matter. Our brains are supposed to function optimally when we get good sleep. So if you're getting good sleep and your brain is actively restoring during that, you have all of that that you can immediately use when you wake up in the morning. Waking up and feeling restored, refreshed is such a wonderful blessing in disguise because Nobody thinks about how you can really start implementing things from the second you wake up. You wake up and all those thoughts you had, just like how you said, you know, sometimes the brain is overactive and you're thinking about things when you're on your run. Did I do this? Did I get to do that? All those functions now are ready. Your brain is ready. It's primed and you can actually achieve more of your goals because you are present you're aware, you're cognitively able to, because you have the power of that sleep that's restored that brain to a point where you are able to be your best self. You can show up fully. My mother used to tell me <clears throat> as I got older and as she got older um, that I'm not going to need as much sleep as I did as a younger person. And um, I wonder if that's just an old, um, you know, folksy black person's wise tales, or is that true? And then what is the op optimal number of hours of sleep? You hear six, you hear seven, you hear eight. I know sometimes when I get more than eight, I really feel like I'm really fuzzy when I wake up. So what is the, the number that we all should be looking for? So I don't know that there's a number that we should look for because when we had those studies that were performed, it was the mid 20th century and it wasn't performed on like this super large group. So when we came up with that, you know, every adult needs seven to eight hours of sleep a night. It wasn't something that has stood the test of time. It's not something where the conditions are even the same from the mid 20th century to now where we're seeing that people are, you know, there are more people in the workforce. Now people are working later hours. Children are a lot more active. We have a lot more electronics and technology. And so there's the impact of that too. And so it hasn't stood the test of time. So I do not like to talk about like a certain hours of sleep because it's going to vary from individual to individual. What you can always rely on is your quality of sleep. 
So I would encourage everybody to track their sleep on some level, um, whether it's just using an app on your phone and having that, you know, just listening in, or there's a ring, the aura ring, or even like if you have one of those watches, Apple watch or Google watch or Android, whatever the watches are. If you have one of the abilities to track your sleep, track your sleep, because that'll be the best indicator. Um, I had somebody the other day tell me that they were using the Snore Lab app on their phone. And yes, they were in bed and they were sleeping for eight hours. But the quality of their sleep was like they only slept for one hour. And that's the kind of data you can get. So you, you think you would say, had you not been monitoring that, you would say, but I slept eight hours last night. Well, no, you didn't get quality sleep at all. You only got about one hour worth of sleep. And that's why you're waking up feeling, you know, terrible. And so it's really important to track the quality of that sleep as opposed to how many hours the quantity. And along with your therapy, I would assume that those are things that you would um, you would do with your patients is to help them track that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, so we help track. We do home sleep tests. We're able to really get to the nitty-gritty of where the problems are and how we can best tackle them. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's really got me kind of shaken that the – advice that my mother gave me may have been correct and may not have been correct um (laughs) but we um, love mom anyway yes we do (laughs) not always right but still love her um in the in the in the few minutes we have remaining um are there some other points you would like to hit maybe about your book um about your therapy or anything that I may have missed? So with the book, my book is available on Amazon. It's called Accomplished, How to Sleep Better, Eliminate Burnout, and Execute Goals. It is such a labor of love. Um, I try to get to, you know, the point. What I don't like is when I sit down to read a book and somebody's written you know, one chapter full of the same thing. And then the next chapter is full of the same thing. And it feels like it's all filler and fluff, right? Yeah. I I got to the point in this book. It's just a little over a hundred and uh, just over a little over a hundred pages. And in that I go through a full program, a full routine. I give my care plan where you learn the four steps that it really takes to be able to get to the point where you feel accomplished, where you're getting your best sleep, where you're taking that sleep and you're using it to actively burn, um, eliminate burnout and execute those goals. And so I think it's a phenomenal read. I would highly recommend it. I'm a little biased, but I would highly recommend it. (laughs) I don't ignore that bias. I I deeply acknowledge it. But um, when you yeah. when you work on something like this, you got to be biased. You yes, because <laughs> how it's can, a passion, right? How can you get others to get involved if you're not involved yourself? So, exactly, exactly. So I'm deeply passionate. I would say that for anybody out there who feels like, you know, something's off or something may be wrong, um, I would 100% advocate for yourself with my children and the story that we started out this podcast with and how, you know, we had all these issues in the home. 
the doctor said the kids would grow out of it. You know, they, but that's not what happens. The kids don't grow out of it. They either wind up with something worse, like it compounds and it turns into something worse, or, you know, it just, it never gets itself better. So they're, they're stunted and they're stagnant in this, you know, dysfunction. And so what I would say is if you feel like something's wrong, never let somebody tell you that, ah, that'll go away or that we can just put a Band-Aid on it. There is a way nowadays to get to the root of almost every problem. And so if you're having an issue with sleep and you don't want to just put a Band-Aid on it, I would say advocate for yourself. That's my, my number one thing. Make sure you're advocating for yourself. That's 100% correct. Um, about 12 years ago, I had a sleep test, and it came back pretty normal. And so as I'm... Uh, as I'm getting older, and like it stated earlier, I didn't just feel quite right. I started pushing to have another sleep exam, and it became one of the biggest fights in my lifetime to finally get to have another one done. You know, it was pushing my uh, my GP and then pushing the... Um, uh, sleep doctor and one of the things i found out through this process that sleep um the sleep doctors are now being based in psychology or psychology and um i found that to be interesting do you have any thoughts on that well, they're very closely linked. Like I said, sleep is vital for a lot of brain functions, for cognitive functions, for your regulation of your autonomic nervous system, your vagus nerve, just being able to regulate a lot of those essential neurological functions. It's based in sleep. And so having a, a background on how to deal with the manifestations of different types of you know, disorders that can arouse or can concurrently occur with poor sleep, I think that that makes a lot of sense to have those people affiliated to make sure that we are addressing all areas. Yeah, because um, when I took the test the first time, I there was not as many steps as it was this time. And uh, one of the steps was an intake exam and um you know they ask you questions and all these things and when i got the results back that's when i noticed the doctor i was talking to was, was a psychologist and i was like or had a psychology degree maybe he focuses in sleep uh issues but i was like so when we met after to discuss the results <laughs> that was my first question was I noticed your your uh, your degree focus. Why is that? And why does that uh, tie into uh, sleep health? And he looked at me and he said, "That's a very good question that he doesn't get asked a lot of." So I just found it I just found it interesting and kind of surprising that uh, that that has now become part of the whole. Um, treatment of uh, sleep issues. Um, is there anything else you would like to uh, discuss on this topic? 
No, I think that we've had a really great discussion around it. And I've, I'm very pleased with all the information we've gotten across as far as the importance of sleep and the importance of how we breathe when we sleep. Yeah, I um, did a little skimming through your information, but like I said, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm also a patient, so I have some personal knowledge. So uh, if my list, one of my listeners are interested in your book, how would they get that? On Amazon, Amazon.com, you would search either Accomplished um, or you could search my name, Carice Laguerre. Probably easier to spell accomplished, though. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, as I was struggling to, like, how would I pronounce this young woman's name? And I had it right in my head, but I was still second-guessing myself. But also, if they're interested, even though they may not live in the same area you do, um, becoming a patient of yours, how would yes, they reach so you? Absolutely. They can visit my website. So I am the myospot, T-H-E-M-Y-O-S-P-O-T dot com. And on there, you're able to book a virtual free consultation with me where we could discuss any issues you might be having and, you know, see if we're a good fit to work together. If not, um, I have a wonderful network of people who I can refer to various doctors and specialists and if your if your problem is more advanced than me, or it's just not a good fit as of yet, um, so my website is a wonderful place because I'm available for a free consultation at any point in time. That's great. Well, I appreciate uh, having you on and passing on your information. Again, how can they get in touch with you? My website www.themyospot.com. Okay. The best time. Or you can also follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at the Mayo Spot. At the Mayo Myo Spot. Yeah. Okay. C H E M Y O S P O T. Yeah, I, I noticed that spelling in your contact information. Well, like I said, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and the information that you provided. Uh, it's a wonderful bit of information that I think a lot of people could use. I notice a lot of people who are fuzzy <laughs> when I go to work in the morning that are fuzzy in the morning. And, and you, you know, they make the comment of, uh, I need some coffee. You know, I can't work without coffee. And I've been thankful that I've never been that person. But, you know, I see I work, have worked with a ton of people like that. So, well, I appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate again having you come on, and um, and we'll um, and maybe I'll I'll even reach out again and do the, you just state what did you call it the preliminary check or checkup or whatever yes the consultation yeah <laughs> and see maybe that um, I can go beyond this dental piece and um, maybe just get a good workout yes absolutely I would love that. And thank you for having me today. I've sure. appreciated this. It's been a wonderful conversation. Well, that tells me that I did ask the appropriate questions that were <laughs> that was needed. So yes, sir. Well, thank you, and uh, have a good day. And when I get this get uh, put together, I will pass it along. And also, I can be found on Podbean and uh, Apple Podcasts. So. 
but I will personally send uh, the link for this uh, broadcast to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I will make sure I subscribe on Apple Podcasts. All right. Well, thank you. And take care and have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank Carice Laguerre from coming on and giving us that wonderful information. And I will be back after this commercial break to uh, close this episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. The month of April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And here to give us more information on the terrible things that can happen while driving distracted is my sponsor, Mike Bryant of Bryant Shaw and Bryant Law Firm. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. And we're back here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Again, I want to thank Carice Laguerre, uh, the author of the book Accomplished. And it's about uh, sleeping and sleeping better and what you can do to sleep better. Things, all the different sleep issues that we all have, getting to the crux of that and taking, taking better care of ourselves in these stressful times in this world today. Well, I just want to remind people that, again, I can be found on Apple Podcasts. Invite one friend, and hopefully I will keep building my listenership here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Until next time, thanks a lot, and keep listening here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django, J. B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. J. B. Our great Negro sex machine.